your deal, oh, man. Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh. Baby. Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hey! How about that? That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Welcome to Super Bowl. Who wants some Snickers? If you throw the advertising out there, you got a provider, right? You can't just advertise it. You already got front row seats. You don't need a... Okay, you can have one. All right. Oh, oh, you really want... She's like, they already got stuff. I'm mad. I came expecting a Snickers today. If I don't get one, I'm leaving. Saturday sucks. Whoa, I almost hit the screen. That's terrible. Okay, one more time. I got you one more. One more. There it is. I had to put my Stafford arm into it. Matthew Stafford, everybody! Oh, yeah, this is my last one, bro. Oh, shoot, I just fell. Are you okay? Oh, I hit the chair. All right, all right, you're fine then. Why are you acting, why are you acting all mad then? He's like glaring at me. I was trying to throw it to this. Okay, whatever. Snickers are going to get canceled next week. <laughs> or next week, tomorrow. They're still, whatever. I love Snickers. I love the tagline, right? Also, Betty White, everybody, you know, RIP, Betty White's. Figured this would be the best way to start Super Bowl weekend with a little tribute to Betty White, but Snickers tagline, you're not you when you're hungry, right? And it's kind of true, right? We're not us when we're hungry. I'm not me when I'm hungry. I had a psychologist once tell me, she said, I want to teach you HALT. I said, what's HALT? She said, it, it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And what it means is you don't act on anything on, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I was like, well, I'll just never go outside then. I guess never get out of bed, right? Like, don't even live life. Don't try. You're like, when are you not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? No, okay, just me. Uh, <laughs> but, but right, HALT. So, um, but that is true, right? She's trying to teach me the idea of like, go fix that situation and then come back to life. And it's so true in life that so often we are not us when we're hungry. Snickers talks about Snickers and then it says satisfies, right? Snickers satisfies. And I think a different way we could phrase that is we're not really us when we're unsatisfied. And so I'm gonna punch right to the point right from the beginning, which is I believe that we all have a God-sized hole in our soul. And so often we are looking to fill this with all these different narratives and all these different things in life, but there's only one thing that can actually fill you. There's only one thing that can fill the God-sized hole in your soul, and that is him. That's God, that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself is the only one who can fill it. And so the question we should ask ourselves is how do we do that? But so often in our life, before we can even get get to those questions, right? We think through, or we start to realize that he has, God hasn't always been revealed to us really accurately. So we get a bad picture of who God is, and therefore we're more hesitant and more likely to draw back from a relationship with God instead. Anybody else with me? Whether it's religious circles or, or within circles of society that have portrayed him inaccurately, it makes me feel like, I don't really even know if I want a relationship with that guy, with that thing, with that being. Like, ugh. So I want to go through a little journey, if you would. Come with a journey with me. We're going to watch four Super Bowl commercials. And for each commercial, I just want to display one character attribute of who God is. You ready? Let's check out the first one. Oh, you look good. Thank you. Hey! See the guy taking my little girl out, huh? Yep. Huh. You know what? Why don't you go ahead and take my new car? Thanks, Pops. Go ahead, baby. Watch this. <laughs> Boom! Let's go! 
Papa. Very good. I'm taking you home. Why? Car Finder on the Hyundai Genesis. Back so soon? Here you go, sir. Because a dad's got to do what a dad's got to do. Honey, what'd you guys do tonight? I gave away the Snickers. You think we're not going to give away a Hyundai? Here we go, dude. Yeah. Okay, I actually need those back for real. Those are my keys. I need those back. Man, you dropped my keys, bro. Come on. Man, what kind of hands you got? You got like OBJ hands out here. Come on. That this used to be a compliment. Oh, that's Cooper Cup hands, baby. About to win the Super Bowl. All right, Gronk? Somebody say Gronk? All right, we're having fun. I love that commercial, right? It is, it is funny, right? And it is funny in theory. It's funny in a commercial. In fact, um, you know, I got some moments. I got a six-year-old daughter. Her name's Eden, and we're driving the other day, and she says to me, she's like, Dad, I like this boy. I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought I had a couple of years, like a decade or two before we got to this conversation. She's like, Dad, I like him so much, I want to give him a kiss. I was like, whoa, okay, brakes. Push the brakes on the gas, or, or, or on the, push the brake pedal. We got to pull off the road like this is not about to happen. So I'm like, I don't think this is a good time for you to kiss a boy. You're only six. You're in first grade. Like, let's just slow down. And she's like, well, when can I kiss a boy? Then I'm like, oh, that's such a good question. I don't know. I said, well, so I'm having a conversation with her, right? Like, rather than being demanding, rather than just hitting her, no, nah, that's never going to happen. That's never going to let that happen. I'm actually having a conversation. So I asked the question. I was like, well, when do you think you should be able to kiss a boy? She asked the best question ever. She's like, well, how old is mommy? I was like, yes, we're moving in the good direction. I said, mommy's 27. What do you think about that? She's like, hmm, hmm. Then probably 27 then. I said, deal, let's shake on that. Like we shook on that so fast. She's not kissing a boy till 27. I still walk around, you know, other people, I keep cementing it so other people's ears hear it. Like, I'm like, hey, Eden, remember, what's our deal? How old is 27, dad, I know. Okay, sweet, yeah, another shake. We'll get a whole bunch of handshakes, right? And it's funny, like when we talk about it or we see it in a commercial, but it'd get really kind of weird if she's 25 and I'm still actually spying around, trying to set up cameras, making sure, hey, you still have a deal, right? We're not gonna, you're not gonna kiss a boy, right? It started to get, oh, see, it's getting tense already in the room. I'm not actually gonna do that. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make, right? It would get weird all of a sudden if we started to do that. Why? Because boys and kissing and all these things are not actual evils. They're actually things I hope she enjoys and, and has a good time with. And I wanna help her build good memories in that, not stand in the way and against those things, right? Dad, dads. Right? But sometimes I think we look at our Heavenly Father like, like we look at the dad in that commercial. Like he's actually lurking around every corner and he's hanging out at the carnival with us like, should you have thrown that ball? Should you be trying to win that? Should you have spent your money on that? He's trying to look around, steal all the joy in our life. And I'm here to kind of help us and remind us that God is not a cosmic killjoy. He's actually up there. I believe he's actually the opposite. He actually um, created us to enjoy. He wants us to go to the carnival and win the big stuffed animal. I think he's a big fan of it. I think he's rooting us on. He wants you to go find the love of your life. He wants you to not only kiss him, but have sex with him. He actually designed it, invented it. He wants you to buy a boat and go enjoy the ocean. And if, you're, if your spouse is, if your wife's here right now and she's like, oh, you've been trying to talk her into getting a boat, you can elbow her right now. See, see even the pastor's saying it, like, right? Like, Go buy your boat. 
That's the thing that gets applause, really? Wow, I see how it is. <laughs> the boat, yes, the boat, yes. Who cares about Jesus and that stuff? It's, we're getting a boat. <laughs> oh boy, okay. Uh, he wants that. He wants you to have a boat and go enjoy nature. He wants you to go on, on, on the hiking trails and walk. Again, he created it. And sometimes we get it twisted and think God is a God of no's and his kingdom is a kingdom of no's. And I don't want you to get it twisted. It's the exact opposite. In fact, when he created us in the beginning, in the very beginning, the way he designed it perfectly, he was like, go, be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy everything about this place. Just one thing, don't, don't eat from the tree from the garden because it's gonna harm you. So just don't do that one thing because it's going to harm you. So there are going to be some things where he's like, hey, if you want to do fill in the blank, then it might be a good idea to stay away from fill in the blank because I want you to prosper. I have plans for you. I have purpose for you. So don't do this one thing so you can do all the other yeses. Hello, God is a God of yeses. And Jesus showed it too. Jesus shows up, right? Uh, Jesus shows up and in the meantime, where we're, we're, we're God said no tree and then he came in and said, or, don't eat from the fruit of the garden and then he puts 10 commandments down and then some couple thousand years later, Jesus shows up and there's 613 laws attached to the 10 commandments all of a sudden. Where'd those come from? 613 and Jesus goes, oh, let me sum all these up into two things. And neither two of them had a no attached to them. Neither one. They were both do's. It was love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that was it. And he was like, everything else can be the framework of this. And Paul further emphasizes it later on in Galatians 5, 13 through 14. He says it this way. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And he sums it up perfectly the way Jesus summed it up. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Paul even brought it down to one. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, what he's saying is you do have the freedom. You could do just about anything, but don't use it to harm yourself or the people next to you. Don't do that because you're gonna end up hurting yourself in the process and hurting them in the process. But everything else is a yes. Everything else under that, under that umbrella is a yes. At the end of the day, God is not a cosmic killjoy. He created this world for us to enjoy. And if we could learn to wander and wonder with him, there's a lot of joy to be experienced in this world. God is a God of joy. And that's pretty amazing in and of itself. But there's... Sometimes the little things last the longest. Give extra, get extra. Yeah, what's that have to do with the Super Bowl other than we're all just crying right now? That's terrible. What's this have to do with God? Don't blame me, though. Blame extra or the production team. They push play on it. It's terrible. 
I think that this though illustrates though, God wants to share those intimate moments with us. God wants relationship with us. You are his creation, you're his kids, and he doesn't, he's not just a savior. He's not only a provider. He wants to come in and actually have genuine relationship with you. He cares about you that much. I think for some of us too, there's a whole nother angle that we could look at this commercial, right? It's the real life angle, you know? Sometimes in a two-minute commercial, it's all Hollywooded up. You know, I talked to somebody yesterday. They were like, that commercial doesn't make me feel good. I was like, really? What's it making you feel like? It makes me feel guilty and terrible as a parent. I'm like, me too. Why? Because it doesn't show real life. It's showing a two-minute synopsis with a nice melody attached to it, right? It's made to make us feel like that. But, but let me just remind you, again, whether you've had kids, whether you're in a, 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 a husband-wife relationship, whether you're just in friendships, that's not how relationships look most of the time. That's not how that origami thing looked most of the time. Let's be real. Like parents especially, like be real, right? You know how that origami thing, he did it one time, and then his little girl looked at him with the big eyes like, Daddy, do it again. And she, he did it again. He's like, this is cute. And then he's like, Daddy, one more time. And he's like, okay, I do it a third time. Oh, this is so cute. And then the fourth time, he's like, stop with the origami thing. I did it once. Now I'm attached to it. Now he's not saying that to her, but internally, right? He's like, oh my God, I did it one time. It was supposed to be a cute little fun moment. Now you you want me to make a gum work on me every time? I'm trying to bribe in a phone call. You want a piece of gum? Yeah, I want a piece of gum. Day. Oh, here, daddy, here's your tinfoil. Make me another one. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, what did I create? Come on, for being honest, it's true, right? It doesn't show those moments. It doesn't show the moments of frustration. It doesn't show the moments where it rips 13 times and he just throws it all to the wind. He's like, throw more gummy tradition. Who is the, like, whose idea was this? It doesn't show the guilt of the dad as the little girl grows up. It doesn't show all the moments that he missed or he messed up. It doesn't show the moments where he, he, blew, he, he, he lost his temper. It doesn't show real life. As a matter of fact, just a little bit ago, I started this, this thing with the kids. A lot of parents do this, but I, I just started it with my kids. They're four and six years old, and I decided I'm going to read to them every night. Beautiful, right? <laughs> it's cute, right? And what could go wrong? Right? So my son's four, I walk in and go, go ahead, pick your book, whatever book you want me to read. Mouse and a cookie, mouse and a cookie, mouse and a freaking cookie, mouse and a dumb cookie, cookie and a mouse. I get it, the mouse got the cookie, he wanted to go in the lunchbox. I don't freaking care about a mouse and a cookie anymore. You know what I mean? How can, by God, it's mind numbing. How can I read another kid's book another week? It's already 8 p.m., the day's at the end of itself. Like, I don't want to spend another. I do that one, right? At least it's quick, right? At least I can just skirt through these pictures. Okay, book's done. <laughs> See you, bud. Then I go to Eden's room and she's six and we started, I got her a little more advanced books. It's about like MLK Jr. and Mother Teresa and Abraham Lincoln, some people that I look up to and aspire to be. And so we start reading some of those and they're still like kids packages. So they're written like shortened up, but I'm reading the page. And then she came up with this brilliant idea like two days and she's like, daddy, how about I read a page every other page? And I was like, yeah, that's a genius idea, right? Like that what could go wrong again? Again, like, I get to help you read. This is going to be amazing. 20 minutes later, the word is Montgomery. Montgomery. It's the third time we've come across this word. Montgomery. Lock it in. Wherever you got to, Montgomery. And the state is Alabama. That's the next word. I know we're going to be a while on that one. So it's Montgomery, Alabama. Say it with me, class. Like, <laughs> but it's true, right? We, in the moment, if we're in the moment, again, whether it's parents, 
to kid, whether it's friend to friend, whether it's spouse to spouse, in the moment, it's so hard to remember that a thousand little moments actually stack up much larger than one giant memory. We forget. See, just a moment, just on Wednesday, I was walking out of movement, the youth ministry here, which is really amazing. It starts at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. Uh, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. It's really amazing. If your kid's not coming, you should, their teenager's not coming, they should be coming. If you're high school and you're not coming, you should be coming. Like, is that good, right? that one. I'm walking out of movement right here, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Shameless plug. And I get this text from Sierra. And I started this just in the last two weeks, and she says this, she says, the text read, both the kids got really sad tonight missing you. Each one got in bed and suddenly had the realization that you weren't reading with them tonight, and they were really sad about it. And I realized immediately that such a tiny little thing that's already causing me frustration is building something between us. It's not even just about them to me. It's like our relationship is actually getting better because we're stacking 1,000 little moments instead of trying to make up for missed moments for one giant memory. And why is this important? How does this draw us to God? Because that's exactly what God did. God didn't just come and say, Jesus didn't come and reveal to us to God and say, I'm only willing to die for you. One big giant memory. No, 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 no. He's like, there's a thousand little moments that nobody else seems to care about. And I'm going to step in and care about them because God, your heavenly father, actually cares about the insignificant moment after moment. In fact, there was a woman with an issue of blood and he just touched, she just touched the hem of his garment and Jesus stopped and he turned around and he healed her. There was a moment where he was, he, he actually left a um, got in a boat and went across the lake because there was a man who was an outcast and he was like, let me help solve this problem for you. Let me heal you and free you and went out of his way for an insignificant man in an insignificant moment. There was a moment where a woman was caught in adultery. There's a moment where a woman was, was at a well by herself, a bunch of insignificant people in insignificant moments. A moment where this, this, the, 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 the short wee little man was, he's at Kias, is caught up in a sycamore tree and he's there and nobody cares about him and it's insignificant and it's an insignificant moment, but he stops and says, I'm coming to your house today. And all he did was eat lunch with them. But in these insignificant moments, he kept portraying and showing and revealing time after time after time. I am a God of love and not just the type of love that shows up and does one big flowery memory and then disappears. No, I'm a God of love that cares about the most insignificant of your moments, the most intimate of your moments. And I want to stack up a bunch of tinfoil memories with you. That's the type of God you're serving. God is a God of joy. And God is a God of love. The type of love that has a box of tinfoil moments saved up. And those two things are pretty amazing in and of themselves. But there's even more. Milk keeps getting reinvented. Autocorrect is so demented. Politics just makes us sick. Ew, yeah. The surveillance state's got brand new tricks. No, we don't. Seriously. We're not spying. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of that gets me every time. 
We're off to save the world, so we're gonna feed it a Snickers. And again, in a commercial, we were like, that's not gonna work. That never has a chance. But then in our personal lives, so often we come across our real, real tangible problems and we're like, I know what I'll feed it, Netflix. I know what I'll do, I'll stop at the fast food joint again. I know what I'll do. I'll go to a comedy club and laugh it off. (laughs) Thank you. Right? Oh, I know what I'll do. And we, we actually do this in our mental, emotional, spiritual lives all the time. We're trying to feed and self-medicate, but we're feeding it things that have no ability or power to sustain us long-term. There's no chance. Shopping, retail therapy cannot fix your problems or your rejection. Food cannot solve the problems or the crises that are going on in your brain because uh, because, because, uh, a parent mistreated you as a young child. No matter what we try to feed it on the surface level, it does not have the power to sustain us. But Jesus one day walked up, he he literally addressed this exact situation. He walks up to a woman at the well, the one I just referenced a little bit ago, and he shows up to her and she basically says, well, you're gonna give me water. And he says, well, I could give you water for today or I could give you my source of water and it will sustain you for life. That's what she said, and, 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 and when she buys into that water, it begins to sustain her for life. In fact, it undoes so much of her past. In fact, she was kind of passed around from man to man to man to man to man, and the town rejected her, and the town didn't care about her, but then ultimately, by the end of the chapter, it says the whole town was saved because of her, so he didn't just repurpose her. He gave her a purpose, and he restored her all at the same time because he has the power to sustain you, not just for a moment fill up at Taco Bell, but for the longest time in your life, whether rejection, whether self-deprecation, whether whatever you've got going on that you're in depression, anxiety, whatever's happening, he has a purpose for you because he is able to provide for you. God is able to provide. He wants to give you life-giving relationships, not relationships that when they leave you, you are done. He wants to give you purpose and a hope. He wants to actually deal with the rejection and the hurt and the pain that's happened in your life for so long. He doesn't wanna just ignore it and go to Netflix with you. He wants to do that at some point. Let's enjoy life, right? But first, let's get to the root of some of those things so that you can actually be healthy. You can actually be sustained. And I, God, is saying, I have the ability to provide that for you. And only I do. Come, come, let's reason together. That's his words. God is a God of joy. God is loving and God is able to provide. He's able to handle all your problems and genuinely lead you to a life of health, of hope and purpose. And all those three things are really, really, really amazing in and of themselves. And yet, there's still more. No one's ever come back from 3-1. Agonizing defeat. Down 5-1. We've all been underestimated and counted out. In those moments, we felt like it was over. It's not looking good for Rafa. But it's when we're given no chance that we somehow found that last bit of strength to keep fighting. And then we did what no one thought we could, not even ourselves. 
We came back from the impossible. From being broken. We found a way when it seemed hopeless. We came back when we should have been long forgotten. And we did it time and time again. Right now, we're fighting for something much bigger than a win or championship. But if we learn anything from sports, is that no matter how far down we may be, we are never too far down to come back. See, I don't care how far out you are today, how down in the depths of a ditch you are, how misaligned, how broken, how hopeless you are. There is always a way back. And there's a reason there's always a way back because some 2,000 years ago, death, hell thought it had won. I'm talking 28-3 down at halftime type of thought they had won. I'm talking 13 seconds left on the clock, sitting on the 20-yard line with no timeouts left. I'm talking Cleveland Cavaliers down 3-1 against Golden State like it was over. It was done. Death had started to creep in. Death had already con had, had made its final statement. Like the, 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 the savior of the world was being beaten. It was being, he was being crucified. He was being destroyed. He was being mocked, right? Literally dead. Literally, he breathed his last breath and darkness set in. Death came in. I mean, right? Evil conquered. Evil began to come in. Death or anguish for all the disciples began to set in. In fact, they all returned to their own lives because depression and anxiety and hopelessness had been done. It had the final, last, laughing, mocking word. And in that moment, all of a sudden though, three days later, as the story goes, as the story is told, two women walk down the road back to a place. And as they walk back thinking they're going to finish the burial ceremony, instead they look and the stone is rolled away. And an angel sits there and he says, he is risen. And all of a sudden, Life begins to flourish again. Hope comes back. Life and, and hope and light begins to usher its way back in because one man looked death in the eye and death backed down because he's untamable. He's unexplainable. He's alive with forgiveness ongoing. Grace overflowing. Arms still holding your life and everything in it. Bigger than the sin that says you can't win it. More ferocious than the fears that freeze you. Stronger than the problems that seize you. He's Emmanuel, he's Jehovah, he's God, and he wins, 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 he wins. And this is the best part. He didn't just do it to win. Like so many other sports teams we can get high on, like so many other moments we can love. Matt Stafford's not playing for me this son. he's playing for him. <laughs> but God didn't just play for him. 
He didn't play with his name on the jersey. He played with your name on his back. He won for you. He won for you. You're the one he's holding up at the end of the day. You are the trophy he fought for. You are the person he's looking at. Tonight, 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 tonight. It's you, 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 it's you. He won for you. He fought for you. He bled for you because you are a trophy that was worthy to be bled for. You are a trophy that was worthy to sweat for. You are a trophy that was worthy to work for all those years. He loves you. And that is God. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He's a God of joy. God is not a God that just showed up 2,000 years ago and then swiped it all and was like, okay, see, I hope the memory was good enough. No, he's a God who wants to continue to build tinfoil moments with you. God is not a God that is, that is like the Taco Bell version where it's like just a quick fill up and then I'll send you on. No, no, no. He can sustain your, he can be your life source forever and ever and ever and ever. God wins, he wins, he wins, and there's even more. See, those things all in and of themselves are so amazing, it's so powerful, you're like, you're telling me there's more? Yes, I only got to talk to you for like 20 minutes. And I had to sum up every point so I could end on time. There's so much more, he's so much more expansive, and one of his greatest mores is you. One of the greatest mores is that he going, I, will, I don't want to just end with all of how incredible I am. I want to end with a relationship with you. I want to end the story. I want to continue the story with you. I want to build something with you. Tonight, God is offering. He's inviting. It says in, it says in the Bible that Jesus stands at the door and knocks at our heart, saying, can I come in? Can I come in? I wanna provide for you, I wanna love you, I wanna win with you. It's the winning side. And he's going, come on over. You're gonna win, he's gonna win. He's gonna win and he's going, hey, the sooner that you come to my side, the sooner we can start this winning process. Come, come to him. All you who are weary and burdened and brokenhearted, he has something amazing for you. And he's inviting you right now. Everybody can stand up across the room. He's inviting you right now, right here, right now, into relationship with him. We're gonna sing a song in a minute. It's just two minutes of a song. And I wanna, I wanna invite you into a relationship with God. If you, you've never given your life to Jesus before, but you're going, this God that you're talking about, that's a different type of God. I wanna be in relationship with him. Here's your invitation right here. During this next two minutes of this song, I wanna invite you, I wanna encourage you, you could raise your hands in total surrender to him and just say, I surrender my life to you. You could just whisper it yes to God. You could say yes out loud. You could shout yes. You could just, you could not even say it. You could just think it in your mind and your heart, but just say yes in your mind and your heart to God. Yes, I invite you in, I invite you in, I invite you in. Come, let us start this process of relationship together. And that's the journey that he invites you in on. The journey of you getting to know him and him continuing a life with you. It's the best journey you could ever walk out. He's inviting you to that. For those of us who maybe have already been saved, this song serves as another reminder that there's more. There's more. There's more. 
There's more. The grander, the expansive nature of who God is is so incredible. You can't sum him up in a point. You can't sum him up in a 25-minute Super Bowl commercial where Betty White's trying to tell you and Kevin Hart's trying to tell you about God and you're still not listening. You can't even sum it up. It's incredible. It's powerful. And as we sing this song, I, my hope and my prayer is that every hands up, whether receiving Jesus for the first time or just remind, remembering the awe, awestruck, amazing nature of who God is. Come on, let's sing this. Come on, let's sing this. Come on. Come on. said yes to Jesus tonight, I just want to invite you to text Cape Yes to 94,000. We would love for the next seven days to just walk you through the beginning of that journey. If, if for that or for any other reason you're looking to receive prayer, we have a prayer room right off in the corner. We would love for you to stop by and offer prayer. To everybody else, we love you. We thank you pray that we would continue to be, just as Pastor Chris talked about us last week, be inviters into this place as we are consistently and constantly opening the door to Jesus' transforming power. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. Thank you for coming to Super Bowl weekend. We'll see you next week for the first week of our series, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. See you then.